Hello everyone. Welcome back to A Moment with Mimi. If this is your first time tuning in, then I am Mimi, a registered nurse. I've been in the field for seven years and I decided to create a health community where we can discuss all things health related, but specifically self-care practices. Um, That's my focus. I am a certified health coach and I have a desire to share with you guys some information that I've learned through my unique experiences in life. So I hope that you find this information useful. Um, if this is your first time tuning in, in the last episode, episode number two, we talked about the importance of having a health assessment before you start your self-care practices. Um, self-care, just like regular old health care needs to be targeted in order for it to be most effective. And the best way to do that is to get a sense for where you're at. Get that health assessment, talk to a licensed professional, talk through your history, your issues, your concerns, what prompted you to come to the self-care podcast and learn about different ways to take care of yourself. You want to talk to a physician. Or someone who can guide you and do an assessment. Um, Some things you might experience during your assessment are questions. The person might ask you about your past medical history, if you take any medications, uh, your family history, whether or not you've had past surgeries. They might do some blood work. In fact, they should do some blood work, actually. Um, Perform a physical exam. Let's see here. Maybe even do a diagnostic exam like a chest x-ray or MRI, depending on the symptoms and the history and, you know, the conversation you guys have, your physician or whomever will decide that. But that's something that might be on the table for you. Uh, What else do we have over here? And they also may try to assist you in figuring out what's going on by ruling out options, a process of elimination. Not necessarily, you know, a this is that kind of deal. So don't be concerned about that. It's actually quite common. So this episode, we're going to talk about um, what to do once you know what your health diagnoses are. Some questions you can ask during your office visits. How to stay organized and some goals. Last time I kind of sort of talked about goals not as much as I meant to so I'm going to hit some of the information that I did not include so yeah all right so after you've had your assessment done now you have your diagnosis what do you do well you want to make the most informed decisions that you can so I've got a couple questions you can ask your physician during your follow-up after you know you have the assessment done, you should get called back to the doctor's office to actually discuss the results, unless it wasn't a really invasive or time-consuming process. You might be able to discuss the results during the initial visit. It kind of just depends on your situation. But in either case, um, it's good to kind of have a list of questions to go through because in the moment you might be a little anxious, your memory might not be the sharpest. So you want to give yourself as much support as you can. You'll want to ask whether or not 
your health illness is going to cause you any type of long-term disability. Um, Some diseases, some health issues have processes where they wear down the body. Like some diseases attack your immune system. And over time that weakens you, makes you more susceptible to other illnesses. Um, Diabetics, if their insulin is out of range for too long, it has negative effects on their blood vessels. And, you know, blood vessels carry blood to different parts of the body. So when you damage those, um, it prohibits the tissues from getting the blood that would have been there had the vessels not been damaged. So you start to have circulation issues. Diabetic wounds and ulcers occur because patients don't really feel them when they get them. And the healing process takes a little bit more time because you don't have that direct line to, you know, all the tissue. So you'll want to know whether or not there are going to be any long-term consequences of your illness, uh, whether or not you'll be taking medication, and if so, um, will that medication interact with the medication you're already taking? Will the medication itself have any side effects that you need to take into account? Those kinds of things. Also, your diet. Are there any changes that you can make to your diet to positively impact your health? Or your particular ailment? Are there things you should avoid so you don't worsen it? Can you exercise? There are some heart conditions where it's not advised for patients to do high intensity training, and then there are other hormonal or metabolic issues where it's really encouraged. So you just have to have that conversation and see, you know, what's right for you. Alert bracelets are a thing if you have an illness or an allergy. You know, you can get an alert bracelet to let first responders or people around you know in the event of an episode where you are unable to ask questions or get help for yourself, that bracelet can speak for you. Um, Are there any environmental precautions that you should take? People who have lung issues really shouldn't be around smoke um, because they have a reactive airway situation going on. and. Those kinds of things are inhaled and cause your airway to react. So you get that spasm, that tightening, that difficulty breathing. To avoid that, stay away from smoke. (laughs) And last but not least, what can you expect for visits and follow-ups? Will you need to have every six-month checkups, every year, every three months, every week, you know, kind of get a idea of what your doctor has in mind um, according to the treatment plan so you can see whether or not that fits into your life into your work-life balance because you have to have time for your family yourself and you have to make money to pay the doctor bills that you're making so that's a lot you need to see if that's something you can handle and if it's not don't be afraid to speak up about it because It's better to have that conversation with your physician so you guys can come up with a treatment plan that works for both of y'all instead of kind of like just ignoring it and saying, oh, well, you know, I'll go to the appointments when I can and your team is waiting to see you. Healthcare providers are super flexible. We know life happens. Just tell us so we can be on the same page. Uh, Let's see here. Is my illness curable? Now, that is a fantastic question. 
some things are not curable, unfortunately. Some disease processes set in and they just take hold and don't let go. Um, but some, like high blood pressure, it can be eliminated, if not mitigated, by simply exercising a healthy diet and water. If you can cut out like fat food, then you're golden. If you know you don't have other things going on and your healthcare provider agrees. But um, I guess I'm just trying to say that lifestyle changes can make a huge difference when it comes to illnesses and getting yourself in a better position. Mm. Will you need a referral to a different type of physician? So most primary assessments are done by primary care physicians. They are basically your gateway into the whole health community. Um, They take into account what you have going on and decide who you need to go see. So you guys can further figure out how to get your health on track. Mm, 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 mm. Holistic treatment. Mm, My favorite option. I love me some holistic stuff. (sighs) Unfortunately, um, holistic care is mainly referred to as Eastern care. And the traditional healthcare system here in the U.S., that we're used to is considered Western medicine, obviously because of like their relation to each other and the world. Oh, had to get some tea. My ginger turmeric lemon tea Ooh. gives me life. But like I was saying, okay. Eastern and Western care are both awesome for very different reasons. I believe each has their place, um, but not everybody appreciates Eastern and Western medicine. So there is not a lot of overlap of that type of thing in healthcare, in my personal experience. My Eastern practitioner is knowledgeable about Western medicine to an extent. And then I've had Western practitioners tell me that they understand Eastern medications, but the effects and interactions with Western medications aren't very thoroughly documented. So it's hard to endorse mixing the two. So it gets kind of sticky. A lot of my patients take supplements like ginger or turmeric or cinnamon. Those are simple spices that most people are familiar with. Um, And it just so happens that all three of those are really good herbs for circulation. So that translates into a blood thinner in the Western Hemisphere or Western whatever. So that'd be something that you as the patient need to take into account, but also your physician needs to too, because if your Eastern and your Western medicine don't mix, you have to pick which route you want to go. You don't want to put yourself in a a dangerous situation by mixing two things that shouldn't be together. So 
ask your doctor if you have intentions of using Eastern medicine as well as Western medicine. Are there any precautions or things that you should know? Have they had any experiences with the mixture that were not good? Or have they had great experiences because they might encourage you to mix the two? You never know. It just has to be a conversation that you guys have. Uh, And that should get you started pretty good. A lot of people get nervous about going to the doctor. And when I ask my patients why they're nervous, most of the time it's because they have a fear of the unknown. So hopefully knowing what to expect lessens your anxiety or hesitation to um, become a healthy person to sit down with a physician. So you can go ahead and get this this party started, get this this thing called life going, you know. Uh, How to stay organized. My favorite thing recently is the notes tab on my phone. Oh my goodness, it's been on there since I don't know. I guess we start buying iPhones in 2015 or 16. And I don't know, the uh, the notes thing has been there the whole time. But I just started using it in the past couple months. And it is fantastic. You can just pop that bad baby open, start a new note. If you're at the doctor's office, you can have your notes on your phone, read them out. Plug the responses in and you always have that information to look back at. Um, The calendar on your phone is also convenient because you can put your appointments in your phone when you make them so you don't forget them. And you can, you know, have your work schedule plugged into your phone, too, so you can kind of compare and make sure you don't like double book yourself because it sucks to make an appointment not be able to make it, and then the next appointment is, like, super far out. It's like, oh, my gosh, I was already waiting, but now I have to wait even longer. And it's an unavoid, or excuse me, it's an avoidable situation. So if you just, like, take a couple steps to have everything in place where you can access your information, you'll be a much happier person. Um, some people like to write. I'm a writer. I write notes about the episodes that I record. Writing is very cathartic for me. I have, I don't know how many planners, (laughs) different types of planners, planners for my life, my work, gardening, projects for the family, traveling. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so you can use a planner and just like use the notes tab on it or... You might be old school and have a desktop calendar. You can use it. Whatever you want to do is fine. Just as long as you have something that you use consistently and can look back at. It's the accumulation of information that you have in one place that really makes a difference. Um, Because you get to not only reference that information, you know, it makes you feel more comfortable because it's a it's it's right there for you, you know? And then you can look at the growth that you have in your journey. I just I love it. Staying organized is very, very, very important. Um another thing. In your planner or in your phone, there should be places for you to put an emergency contact person. 
feel that out in the event of an emergency. The first responder will use or look at your phone and see if you have that contact person listed because like if you have a lock on your phone like most people do you can't go through your contacts to see mom dad wife son whomever friend to call but you can you can get to the emergency contact without going through the lock and you can write it in your planner just in case they look through your belongings and you just randomly don't have any identification they have something to work with or even if you do have like your license you should still have your emergency contact person written out somewhere or accessible on you. Let's see here. Last but not least, the goals of your healthcare or the goals of your assessment, I should say. The goals in general, we can say that. There we go. So. Goals should be specific, measurable, action-oriented, realistic, and time-framed. And I got that quote from a website called unlockfood.ca. The example that I have is that getting proper sleep, which is about seven to nine hours every day with daily naps for the next two weeks is a goal. I was specific. It is measurable. Very action oriented. (laughs) It's realistic because I do it and I have a time frame. Eating nutritious food can be a goal for you. Um, It should be a goal for you actually because like that's a staple of health. You need to look for non-GMO food, organic. It's best to shop seasonal for your fruits and veggies because they're the freshest thing and it's less likely that they've been altered because they're growing during their natural season. And you can find them from local farmers, which is always awesome. Um, Try to get a colorful variety of food. Stick with mostly fruits and vegetables. Make sure you're getting enough calories, uh, healthy fats, low sugar, low salt, and when in doubt, choose the least processed option. Least processed means that it is closest to its natural state, unaltered, and good for you. For the most part, because there are some natural things that are bad for you. But when we're talking about food, I'm talking about common sense stuff. Like if you have organic broccoli versus regular broccoli, go with organic. If you have a fried option versus a baked option, I mean, both of them have been altered by heat, but that baked, not as much as the fried. I don't know quite how to explain that but if you're curious I'm sure a Google search will pop it up but least process is the goal physical activity you can have a goal of trying to exercise 30 to 60 minutes at least four times a week for the next month that is a specific measurable action-oriented realistic and time-framed goal 
And it's also something you should be doing because exercise is awesome unless your doctor tells you not to. Um, you can have a goal about your mental health, which a lot of people should. <laughs> you can challenge yourself to have a positive outlook um, to address your stressors. Address your stressors. A lot of people that I know are stressed out. And the crazy thing about it is they're stressed out and they don't want to admit they're stressed. And it's like, I know that won't take away everything, but what does it hurt to admit that there's an issue going on? Like, that's honestly the first step to figuring out how to fix the problem. So you might as well just acknowledge it. Yeah, it sucks. It does. Some parts of life suck and there's nothing you can do about it. Sometimes it's not fair, but you are in control of yourself. So acknowledge the situation for what it is so that you can move on with it, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah, challenging yourself to have a positive outlook on life will honestly change your outlook on life. It's crazy because it's like a lot of people wait for the motivation to change. But actual change happens from you changing and then getting the gratification from the results. So if you want to be happy, think happy thoughts. And soon your mind will be consumed with happiness. <laughs> Ooh, and my favorite, my absolute favorite, self-care practices. Oh, my goal with self-care is to perform self-care every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> and yes, that is a real goal because if it's a criteria. Um, but some specific things you could do if you wanted to have your own specific self-care goals yoga, meditation, journaling. You can get into blending your own herbal tinctures or teas. Um, some people have their own specific religious rituals they like to use as self-care practices. Some people like to go get their hair and nails done. That's their self-care. They like to be pampered and look good. Some people like to exercise. A lot of people like to travel. And some people like to learn for fun. It's their self-care, their relaxation, their pouring into themselves practice. Whatever makes you happy and recharges your battery is your self-care practice. And you should totally create goals surrounding those things because that is what life is about. About enjoying yourself. It's a lot of hard work that's going to force itself on you. So you have to fight just as hard to enjoy. I go on to write about having routines and stuff like that. But, you know, I think I'm going to save that for the next podcast episode. Episode number four, where we get to the fun stuff, talking about these self-care practices a little bit more in depth. So you can kind of like sample mentally what you might want to try out physically. Um, I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. I hope it was informational. I look forward to the next one. Until next time.